Good morning, afternoon or evening everybody and welcome to Pangolin, the conservation podcast. The show dedicated to exploring and amplifying the world's underappreciated conservation stories. The stories that inspire me and I hope will inspire you too. (laughs) I'm your host Jack Baker and it is so good to have you back with me once again where this series we are celebrating all things Africa. Last time we talked about rhinos and shoebills with the amazing Cam Whitnall, we've had Charles Imogo talk about pangolins, and this time we have the absolutely brilliant Rex Malapo, who is here to talk about something actually very, very different. We're not animal species specific today, we're doing something a bit out of our comfort zone, um, because she is here today to talk all about the project which she helped co-found, Conservation Music Lesotho. This amazing organisation seeks to inspire environmental action through the power of music. So we chat all about what that means, how they do it, and the impact they have seen so far. And it's so interesting as someone who is, even someone who is not musically talented in any way, I was so fascinated and I loved it and I am so glad you get to hear it as well. Um, We also chat about Rex's favourite underappreciated African species, which is the ibis. And so we share some fun facts about that, some stories about that, and she does an absolutely top-notch ibis impression, which... I had never heard an Ibis impression before, so this could be a groundbreaking first for you as well, listeners, (laughs) because it's absolutely fabulous. Um, (laughs) And now that I've built this episode up so, so much, I should go and just let it play. So without further ado, (laughs) sit back, relax, and let's get started. And welcome back to the show. I am now joined by Rex Malapo, the co-founder and director of Conservation Music Lesotho. Her organisation uses the power of music to inspire environmental action and has so far reached over 8,000 people. So really fantastic, really interesting concept, something we've not talked about on the podcast at all before, music. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of chat about it today. Thank you so much for joining me, Rex. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. For listeners, um, so they know, we have a little bit of history, I suppose. We met um, while I was in Tucson last year. You were also at the same conference as me. Um, So we met there and kind of both part of that uh, 30 under 30 environmental education group for last year. So, yeah, we have a little bit of history. Um, And when I met you, I I knew I wanted to talk to you on the show because your project sounded so, so interesting. So I'm so excited you're finally here to chat about it. Great. I'm also happy. I'm happy that we get this chance to speak about this. So, yeah. Yes, yes. Perfect. Um, well, I, I kind of gave you a little bit of an introduction there, but my first question for everybody is I always let them introduce themselves because I do my research and I find out things about you, but I, I always feel the best people to introduce themselves are the person. So do you want to introduce yourself to the listener? Tell them a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background, like yeah, what should they know about you? 
Okay, so my name is Reikiditsu Mulapo, um, also known as Rex. Big <laughs> <laughs> um, name. Um, I'm from Lesotho, like the tiny country inside South Africa. I feel like I always have to do this because most times people don't really know where Lesotho is. <laughs> so yes, we're that small country that's totally landlocked by another country like South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm an environmental activist and social entrepreneur. Um, I've been working in this particular space for the past like five years through my nonprofit um, organization called Conservation Music Lesotho. Um, and yes, like I said, I'm also a social entrepreneur. So I have like a small green startup on the side that's basically focused on creating um, or providing or supplying alternatives to plastics. And then we also want to go into biofuels and later on renewable energy. So those are the things that I'm doing. But for all the things that I am busy with, um, they're kind of all centered around um, the environment, sustainable development, and like the green economy. So that is basically it about me, yes. I like how you say it. that's that's basically it. Not like that is there's so much stuff. That's <laughs> that's so much. Like I feel like I didn't even I haven't even written questions about the renewable stuff. I'm gonna have to but later on maybe if we have time I might sneak a question or two in because that sounds so interesting as well. And like it seems to be a common theme that's emerging is like I've talked to a couple people from the kind of thirty under thirty group that we were a part of, and it seems to be the theme is Nobody seems to have time to sleep. They seem to do all the everything all the time. They seem to do so many projects. I'm so impressed. Like I'm like, oh, I need to be doing more somehow. This is uh, it's amazing. Um, but no, that's the so the per- <laughs> no, it's it's the it's the perfect little introduction. I think because yeah, it's it's really outlined so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, the first of which I guess is kind of conservation music your organization like i think that's it's such an interesting concept and it's such a like different project from everything as i said in the introduction like we've talked about on the podcast before so i wondered could you tell us a little bit about what does that organization do like what is it and what does it do so conservation music Lissitu is an organization it's a not it's an environmental nonprofit that um leverages the power of music for environmental education. And our mission is basically to confront environmental collapse through the power of music in the developing world. Um, at the moment, yes, we're still based in Lesotho, but through our global organization, we've um, also tapped into other Southern African countries because mm-hmm. the, the long-term plan is to is to expand and scale our impact to to other surrounding countries and 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 even go global with with our initiative. And what we basically do is we have um, different kinds of programs. We have eco concerts, what we call eco concerts. We have um, classroom resources, which are pro, which is a program that has to do with schools, where we go out into different schools, but specifically focusing on rural areas and peri urban areas in the country where most people are really much um, still very much dependent on the environment for their livelihoods and and to to do their daily activities really and, and then we we also have um, live um, musical workshops that we host um, and we work with artists um, obviously because then we're very much um, centered around music 
So those those are the things that we basically do, um, and those are the programs that we have under um, Conservation Music Lusotho at the moment. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I wondered, like, so when you're running like activities and you're kind of doing all those things and working with artists, is the so the the music that you're kind of bringing to people and the the music maybe that you're teaching people and things, is it kind of like based on the sounds of nature is that are the lyrics maybe about nature like how do you kind of combine those two like as, as someone with no musical skills that's so interesting to me so like how do you combine those two things to like to make it like a conservation music program rather than just a a music program uh-huh. so the way we do it we 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 sometimes do incorporate like and natural sounds but that's mm-hmm. not really like the big focus the big focus is really on the lyrical content how we make it um uh, it's supposed to be environmentally focused mm-hmm. so the whole point of all of this is to basically educate people about different issues especially around environmental issues um that are locally based and place-based in the sense and the way we do it we would like I'll give you an example. For instance, what, how we do it, we would host maybe like um, a musical workshop for we have what we call a music toolkit that has mm-hmm. different types of environmental issues that we feel are very much relevant to our home country, and then we would invite artists for um, a session basically where they're going to be learning a lot about these different environmental topics that are important. And then we come up with um, lyrical content that's educational around all those um, environmental issues. So that's 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 how we've pretty much done it in the past, and that's the concept that we've basically proven um, that it works. So so that's how we do it. Yes, and that's... then a song was then produced, and the songs that then we've recorded and produced. And we go on to use it for our classroom resources program as music videos that the students learn about different environmental topics about, but in a musical way. So, yeah, that's 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 so fascinating. That's, and it's such a good concept because I guess like, yeah, the mu- music and lyrics and things like the environment, they are kind of for everybody. Both of those concepts should be for everybody. They can be enjoyed by everybody. And so bringing them together in that way and kind of like, yeah, having people come up with things creates really transferable interesting resources and stories and that's it's so so fascinating like it's so it sounds so amazing and like yeah I, I yeah so so fascinating um yeah it's fascinating because I guess also the the reason for for music really is the fact that it it's um it's a powerful educational tool which mm-hmm. is what we've and then also the fact that um, it's such a universal language and it's yeah. very inclusive. So the the types of people that we work with are from all types of backgrounds. And you would deal with people who are headmen out in the fields or farmers or illiterate people who cannot necessarily participate in conventional workshops, for instance, about these types of topics. And the music kind of breaks down that barrier and it makes everybody to be part of the conversation and it's also inspirational. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's also it has the power to appeal to people's values and emotions. So that was the whole point of really going the music um, and, and, and trying to incorporate creativity in, in what we do, because we believe that music is powerful and there's also scientific um 
research that has shown the power of music and the staying power that it has in people's minds. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the reasons why we we decided to to go the route of music. And like you said, there's stories being told. So there's an element of storytelling in in this mm-hmm. process, um, which which is very important to highlight. That it's not just oh clean up, do whatever, and like mm-hmm. in a in a very basic way, <laughs> but it's it's done in a in a, in an interesting way that has um, a storytelling element in it and that appeals to people's values emotions and also the other important thing to mention is that we use local languages and local genres that are relatable to the people and the communities that we're working with so there's that point of connection with what we're trying to do so um, and, and and our target audience so yes mm-hmm. that's that's fascinating. Do you find like then like people bring their own stories? Because obviously, I guess in environmental issues, sometimes people feel kind of left out of the discussion in a way. And so do you find that when you're having these kind of sessions, people bring their own stories in and they kind of incorporate their own experiences in? Or do you think like, do you have to kind of provide them with the the kind of knowledge and the kind of like themes or do they have them kind of like already inside them? Like... So because it's such a um, collaborative and process and we co-create with, with the artists, uh-huh. the people we work with, they bring um, their stories. So it's, it's not necessarily like a top-down approach where you're like, oh, teaching people. I always try and move away from the word teach. I always feel like there's, there's, there's already indigenous knowledge existing in the communities that we, we go into. There's some level of knowledge about environmental issues in the communities that we go into. There's, the, people are already aware of some of the conservation issues in their area. However, you would still identify certain gaps here and there. Um, which is where then we kind of fill those gaps with the right information, with maybe researched and accurate information and knowledge. So, uh, but people bring their stories really because once you tell them what it is that we're going to be talking about and then looking at the different types of topics and them kind of understanding um, what the what the topics where we're going to be discussing are or we're going to try and create a musical piece with, then they, they have stories they can reference. They're like, ah, somebody in my community did this or whoever did whatever. And and then we start like creating a song from, from such. So it is so much of a collaborative process. It's not just like, oh, we're going into this community where people know nothing, absolutely nothing. And we're going to teach them. It, it's not necessarily that, but it's it's more about co-creation and and seeing what people already know, because the other thing I didn't mention is that we also do pre-surveys before we, we, we come up with a musical piece. And how we do it is such that um, these pre-surveys, they would help us to give us some form of like um, um, basic information or like data about what is the existing knowledge in this particular community about these types of topics. And then, and then after that, then we decide, okay, we, we collect the data, um, we analyze the data and then we identify the gaps. So like, okay, these are the gaps that we're, we're identifying and then how do we plug them? And then that's when then we collaborate with artists and we create this mashup of some sort. Yeah, so that's that's the way we do it. 
that's I I want to come and watch one of these works. Like I feel like that would be so fascinating to kind of watch this process. Like I and I mean, as I said, I have zero musical skill. I sing in the shower or like I sing when I'm doing like housework and stuff, but like nothing beyond that. So like, <laughs> I, it would be so fascinating to see people who, like, genuinely like I. Well, actually, do, do the people who come like are they? musicians beforehand or is it more of like a okay we're gonna like here's some instrument like here we're gonna work together on having to kind of get the the instruments together and stuff is that like part of the process as well yeah but most of the people we work with like is like i said it's artists yeah. so already musicians i'm a singer mm -hmm. myself and i've like co-created some of the songs that we we have mm -hmm. created um and because we're a group of what will i call us creatives i don't know i always kind of run away from that. <laughs> but i always see myself i'm like i'm not a creative i'm not a creative but i am a singer and i had been doing it for many years beforehand which is gonna then come i'll, I'll tell i'll share more about this when we talk about how did this come about and, and mm -hmm. all of that because then there's that history about me but this is basically like a collective of people who are like artists creatives who come together for this one big important mission and that's how we're contributing. So the people we work with um, are musicians who mm -hmm. in their own right are already like flourishing in that area. And then even the other artists that we've worked with, um, in some cases we've worked with visual artists and trying then to uh, like do what? Create this collective of, of, of artistic expression, but obviously our focus is, is mainly music. So the people we work with are musicians, yes. And they're, they're already talented. <laughs> <laughs> I can, yeah. Yeah, and they play, some of them play instruments. Um, but of course, when we go in, in, in some communities, some of them are not necessarily like, do not necessarily have a musical background, but they're able to kind of like contribute to the process in, in one way or another and, and help make it amazing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, I can. I can imagine it must be like, yeah, whenever you get creative people into a room, it, it like the ideas must just run in a, a hundred different directions and like kind of have like all of this excitement. And like, it's so exciting, like so interesting, so interesting. I guess you kind of like led us naturally on then to the, the, the next kind of questions, which I had were like, we've talked about the idea and how it works kind of now, but it is such a, a unique idea. I wanted to ask you about kind of your background and kind of like how, where the idea came from originally, because, yeah, it, it's such an interesting kind of one to me. And I guess that's like a good first question is like, where did that idea come from in the first place? Okay, so the, the idea came from um, a friend of mine and colleague, um, Alex, um, mm -hmm. he's from the US, and he, so I met them years ago um, when they had like an event here in the country mm -hmm. where they, at the very early stages of, of this particular movement and still trying to really shape it. And, and I met them and my background, like I said, in the past, I, I was I was singing. I'd been singing for so many years, like ever since I was a child. Um, and I was even part of a choir at some point. So music is, I know, like for most people, they know music is, is quite a big part of us as African people. It's a big part of like our culture. It's also a big part of 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 how like traditions have been passed down from generation to generation 
um, like as as African people. So it was a huge part of my life um, since I was a kid. And then I stopped um, doing music or even singing at some point because I had bad experiences um, in in the musical space while I was trying to kind of like pursue it more as a career. And then I decided, oh, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I totally cut off that part about my life and I, I focused on my entrepreneurial pursuits and all of that. And that's that's the direction I was taking with my life and my studies. And then years later when I met them um, and they told me about this vision that they have about um, putting two these two passions for environmental science and music together, I thought it was quite interesting. And I was at a point in my life where I was also going through some form of a transition and I was excited. I said, you know what, I feel like this is maybe my chance to actually get back to doing music, but um, using my voice for a much bigger cause than than what I, I was interested in doing in the past. And it was enough reason to to convince me to get back into it. And and I was like, I jumped on. Like I was like, okay, guys, I'm I'm totally in. I think this is a great idea. And I feel like it's something that's innovative and creative. And not many people have actually done this specifically in this part of the world. Um, music is usually just used as a once-off thing for concerts and whatever, but not necessarily mm-hmm. used continuously to try and create awareness around important issues of our time or some social issues that we're facing, which obviously environmental collapse um, is, 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 is one of those, like with issues like climate change um, and of course some conservation issues that we all know about that affect the southern part of Africa. So that was the whole idea really and that's how it happened and that's how I got inspired to to start working in this when I met my 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 co-founder um, and colleague in the past and yeah I was like this is amazing I, mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm definitely gay and that's how we co-founded um, Conservation Music Lesotho and then started doing this work that we're doing now yes so i think this was in 2017 so yes yeah and we we started doing a bit of work and then we decided you know what we're just gonna have to um formally register it this is actually bigger than we thought and we formally registered and we did a first big project so and the rest was history after that so yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's so fascinating and so like yeah, it's so, so interesting. And like, it, it's amazing to hear how like, you kind of had gone on this journey of kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be the career path necessarily. This isn't going to be the main idea. This is going to be, but the way that it kind of, I, I, I find those types of things like in, I guess, I don't know if it's a Scottish thing or whatever it is, but there's a phrase that we all like, it seems to get thrown around a lot in Scotland that is kind of like, what's for you won't go by you, which means kind of like, if something is meant to happen, what will be will be. It will come back around, and it will it will happen in in your life. And I guess that's kind of the like the story of the music. Like you kind of thought maybe like maybe not for the the career, but then it 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 it, it wormed its way back in. It got back around again, um, and, and kind of yeah, kind of came in there. Um, I guess like a big joke on me. I guess <laughs> you're gonna run away. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the music. Yeah, it, it followed you and it found you again. Um, I guess like similarly, though, I suppose that's kind of the music side. Like growing up, were you always interested in the environmental side as well? Or was that something that kind of 
came along later? Um, it came along later. However, the one thing I'll say is that, um, like ever since I was a kid, we're learning a lot about the environment. Funny enough, as much as our curriculum is, is still very limited in terms of environmental education, but there were some basics that we got when I was still growing up. And I was very much aware, like very much mm-hmm. aware of, of many different environmental issues. And then even in, I remember in high school, post high school, we tried to start like a club with some of my friends that was going to be focusing on issues around the environment. I don't remember, we called it some green culture club or whatever, but it was, it, it, it's always been like a part of my journey also, but not necessarily something that I was focusing on like I am at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so when years later I met like my colleagues, it was like, oh my gosh, like all these two things that are still very important to me. And also the other thing that inspired the passion for environmental issues and like sustainable development, I think for me had to do with the fact that having been in business and and seeing how like the industrial revolution has contributed to the the challenges that we're currently facing, mm-hmm. I wanted to do something about that. And I wanted to to go the sustainable route. I wanted to do things differently. I was like, yeah, as much as I'm in business, but I want a way to do it in a sustainable way. And my business partners from the past will tell you because I that's when I started tried to start projects like in the renewable energy um sector and all of that but yeah i digress now but it it really has been a part of me when when i look back to some degree and then now at a later stage they kind of converged and i found a way to put them together so Mm. that's how it happened really yeah yeah it's just it's such a it's so interesting seeing them come together and kind of see these things and like it does make me want to ask more about your work in the kind of renewables field (laughs) but before I do that what I was going to ask is like you kind of like ended up I I suppose almost accidentally bringing these just by coincidence meeting these people and kind of working together and bringing this kind of idea to life and kind of yeah and and since then obviously it's grown arms and legs and gone and done so many amazing creative things with lots and lots of people i I think i said eight thousand people around eight thousand people in the in the intro um was what i had read and and like what when you look back on it and the whole journey what, what are some of those kind of biggest achievements for you what are the things where you look back and you're like i am really proud of that or like i'm really happy with how that project turned out like what are the the things that you really celebrate as kind of like, I'm really glad we did this project because this happened? Okay. So, yeah, like 8,000 people, I feel like is a number for maybe like the, the people we, we touched physically in a sense. Yes. Putting, like putting metrics to it. But I feel like our work has reached way much more people than that, especially even through our online platforms. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, one of the biggest... Um, achievements for us I think was the very first project we did it's it's one that I'm really proud of um because then that that was a sign for us that this the work that we're doing is quite impactful and then there's so much potential for it and then we found that the people um who most needed were the ones that actually benefited from that project we did so this was the very first project we called it our music our environment Mm-hmm. And it was basically some form of an eco concert where, yes, initially we had done the pre surveys. We went out into this rural village 
called Malia Lea. This is a village where we had piloted and tested more initiatives. And since then, we've had a great relationship with them. So they've been more like, oh, our piloting ground. Um, <laughs> and it's it's been such a great um, journey that we've had with them. So we did an eco-concert. It was called Our Music Environment. We went out into the village. We interviewed about 200 villagers because um, it wasn't a big village. And we just identified what they know about different environmental issues and what conservation issues they probably have in their community. And and then from all of that data we collected, we, we analyzed, like I said, when I was trying to describe our process to you earlier. So we analyzed the data to say, okay, where are the gaps? And then after identifying those knowledge gaps, then we decided that we're gonna create an eco-concert that was gonna address that, those types of issues. Um, and after after that, then we 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 did um, a post like or exit survey. Like after we performed about ten songs, ten songs were actually produced or created, um, addressing different environmental issues that were place based and relevant to that particular community. And we did exit surveys after every song to kind of see what people have learned. And um, if 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 what we're doing it was really effective, and we got great feedback from people, and it, it turned out like people learned a lot from that. And then also they identified some like about fifty six solutions that they felt like they could use to address some of those issues in their community. So it was it was quite a great project, and one one of one that yeah like one of the the great ones that we had and that I'm very proud of and and another big thing was the fact that we we were funded by National Geographic to actually do that particular project yeah we were sponsored by National Geo to for for us to kind of like test um like how music can be a powerful educational tool and yeah so it went well yes and uh, it's one of my proudest projects that we've been involved in. Mm, I, I, I mean, I can see why that sounds like it sounds fascinating, and especially with kind of the like, I think they like the people involved identified the solutions kind of thing, like the 56 solutions or whatever. Like, it's so encouraging. I feel like having done like environmental education stuff and worked with different communities and kids and adults, it's like when you have a project that like you're proud of and you make it and like it, it's about to happen and like you get excited with all the prep but when you hand it over and then see it's embraced and it has that success without necessarily you having to to push it all like they come up with the ideas and like that's must it must be so so special that's fantastic really really fantastic yeah and and so interesting to hear about the kind of Nat Geo aspect as well, because obviously they must recognise that it was quite an interesting and amazing thing that you were doing as well. That's that's so fascinating and so fantastic. And like, yeah, I guess like building on from that, like like that seems like a huge for your first project. It seems like, oh, you've set the bar high. Like <laughs> after that, like <laughs> after that, like where did what what was your kind of like thought like? Were you kind of like, oh, like, how do we top this? Or did you just want to keep going with kind of similar ideas? And like, what was the thought process once it was done? Um, for us, it was really about how do we continue? How do we mm -hmm. spread this? 
How do we scale this? And it wasn't really about, oh, we've done this amazing big um, project for starters, so we should really... (laughs) (laughs) So we should, you know, we were very realistic with, with, yeah, with our expectations, but we were excited about the opportunities that we felt like it was presenting for us. And it kind of proved that this, can work actually and for us that that was the exciting element and then we just decided we're gonna hit the ground running we're just gonna go mm-hmm. for it and um then the other projects that we did afterwards we we're still centered around like environmental education but addressing different issues we did like a responsible heading campaign i don't know if you know if heading is a is a thing in scotland <laughs> but we we had that it's more like a, about grazing and rangeland management and all of that so we did a campaign with that and we partnered with another big partner then which mm-hmm. was um, GIZ and and then we did um then a classroom resources project after that that was also funded by the US embassy so we kind of like started moving and moving and getting great partners along the way and also getting um our music toolkit approved by our national curriculum development center here in the country from our minister of education and training which was also another big thing for us and we kind of went on the journey with them so there's been a few good successes and milestones along the way that we're really proud of but it it wasn't about oh how do we top the first thing (laughs) (laughs) no no that's that's so fantastic though that's so so fantastic like I guess you seem to have done so many different things, just like, even though the base concept, like, I guess, like, it sounds so like, oh, like, yeah, we combine music and conservation or, or, or the environmental some kind of aspect. But like the, the ways that you've taken that in so many different creative directions and kind of the the different aspects, so interesting, so interesting to hear about. I guess, like, for you looking forward then, what are the kind of big goals like what are like when you look to the future is there any kind of dreams that you have for the organization any fun projects that you're like yes i want to kind of pursue this more or i want to kind of like build on this project that we've done in the past like what is it that like it really excites you about the future of the project because there must be so much yeah like there really are a lot of things and of Mm -hmm. course like with the pandemic things kind of slowed down and it was like oh my gosh um, because it was so unexpected and we felt like we're being hindered in, in some way because then we couldn't continue with that programming. But I have high aspirations, definitely, and big goals for, for the organization. I think, like I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest ones is to scale our impact and really, really mm-hmm. move into other Southern African countries um, where we're going to be dealing with different kinds of issues. For instance, here in Lesotho, we, we don't necessarily have I, I'm very careful. I want to be careful with what I say, but we, we don't necessarily have like as much wildlife per se, where mm-hmm. people can then be, where we can have these big, big conversations about conservation in that direction or in, in that mm-hmm. context. However, um, the other African countries have like big, big wildlife and, and there are a lot of conservation issues in those countries and we're looking to just expand into these areas and address the different types of environmental issues that they're facing um, in in their communities because as we know like Africa is so dynamic it's not the same at all 
um, mm-hmm. and different types of issues in different areas. Like South Africa, for instance, is our very close neighbor, but it's so different from us in mm-hmm. terms of like the environmental issues that they have. So for me, one of the big goals is really how we're going to, like in the next five years, how we're going to scale our impact, how do we move into the other southern african countries like the southern african region and then we can start building up to like maybe east and then go into west and other parts of africa and another big one for us would be really to to kind of collaborate with one of the biggest artists like an artist we feel is very much um um concerned about the the status quo at the moment the environmental issues that like we're currently facing today as the world and it would be great to actually collaborate with one such artist um, and then create like a big project or campaign out of that. So it's it's one of the, the big goals that I have for the next few years. But other than that, to just continue doing the work that we're doing on the ground at the grassroots level and not stopping. So, yeah, I'm also passionate a lot about our classroom resources um, program because then I see how it allows us to go into these schools um, where maybe environmental education is lacking, also because of the the shortage of resources and exposure even. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm basically doing and focusing on. Mm-hmm. So so for me, that's that would be really great to just like do that and and focus on that and and the impact it has, especially on like the younger generation. I think for me, the most important thing is to. Um, start with the younger people because then they are obviously the futures of any other country and I feel like it's great to instill the right principles and give them like a good foundation at an early stage and when they grow older they won't depart from some of the great lessons that they've learned um, um, through the programs that we're doing so for me it's, it's, it's one of my passion projects and one that I would still love to continue like going on into into the future because of 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 the motive behind it and also the impact that it it, it can have yeah mm. yeah yeah that's it's really really interesting i think like everything you said there and all those ambitions like they're they're so impressive and they're so they prompted so many more things like in my head when you were talking about kind of like the challenge i guess of kind of like the diversity of spaces and like kind of growing like the or like the organization maybe beyond beyond its kind of initial stage within the sotho like if you were to count like for listeners who maybe are not particularly familiar with like size and diversity in terms of like even just moving to South Africa, I, I googled like for because you know they do those overlaying maps where you put like a map of one country over so you get proper scale. Like for listeners who are maybe based in Europe, South Africa is about the size of like France, Germany, the Czech Republic, all kind of together. So it's a very big, big space. And so the diversity of people and kind of groups of people and languages and everything like it must be it'll be such an interesting way to see how this kind of project transfers even like and like when people say like oh just to one other country well no it's one of probably the biggest and most diverse countries in the world so that, like you've, yeah. it's it's so interesting and it'll be such a, a a challenge but such an interesting one to kind of see as it grows and changes and then the question i guess the second kind of thought thing that i was thinking was like when you talked about collaborating with a big a big artist or whatever it was i i have mm-hmm. to ask like if if i was to say right now i can get you anybody 
who would it be? Like, who who is your like dream in your head of like I'd love to work with them? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many edges that 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 come to mind that I that are I have um, that I'd really love to work with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like oh, it might sound like oh, it's it's kind of cliche to say oh, I I would want to work with. With Beyonce, oh, I would want to work with whoever. Um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of direction that I'm mm-hmm. thinking. But, but of course, there are some there are some artists that are not necessarily like big in in mm. how do I say this? They're not necessarily big in terms of like not globally known per se, mm-hmm. but that I really really love to, to to do like to collaborate with on a project that is mostly focused on like sensitization, creating more awareness, and even like continuous impact. So. Yes, mm. yeah. We've reached out to a few um, uh, um, big artists. I don't want to mention them now for, for whatever reasons, yeah. But we've reached out to some, especially based in the U.S. Um, so because those are still like in the pipeline and where we're trying mm. to, to, to build something there, I'm not going to be name dropping just yet. <laughs> but, uh, it would be really great to work with one of the big artists that's really focusing on uh, on environmental issues or who would really wanna um work on environmental issues and and in a way that we're focusing uh, yeah on yeah yeah and i mean like if you can't get them just get beyonce that seems like a reasonable goal <laughs> not like she would <laughs> That's a great momentum, I guess, that project because there's like a lot of people who follow her um, and who really just like idolize her. And I think even for some movements that she's really supported, then they've been able to really, um, yeah, they've been able to 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 have a great impact because then they were part of that. Like for instance, the Global Citizen um, yes. festival that they've been part of uh, how then people who, ne- who didn't necessarily care about certain issues like I'll make an example I had friends who were not necessarily concerned about some social issues <laughs> mm-hmm. but because then they were like big followers of Beyonce and because they were part of this global citizen initiative where then they had to rally people and their fans and followers my friends were participating in that and I think that's still powerful in its way because it, for some people who ne- who didn't necessarily have like awareness about certain issues, then because someone they idolize or they look up to so much is challenging them now that they're interested and now they're doing something. And I think that's how we can start like changing people's minds about certain things mm-hmm. and start building momentum in certain areas. So yeah, that's the power of, I guess, in influential people in a sense. And for us, I think, that's that's how we can collaborate with them to really like and then have people more people taking action not just have that win but also inspire them to take action yeah mm-hmm. no that's that's fantastic and so so interesting and i guess like it, it, it leaves me with so many more questions that I think we could talk about, but but we are unfortunately reaching the end of our time. So I feel like what what I'm going to do is is maybe leave that idea and all those concepts for people to think about and kind of who inspires them and how they can take action, all of these things, and kind of like what I want to do is kind of I wanted to kind of shift onto kind of the 
the the questions that I've been kind of asking everybody this series, because I think it's quite interesting to get a variety of people's views on the same questions and kind of the same topics, aside from hearing about their kind of unique special projects. Um, and so the first question that I've kind of been asking everybody um, this series is kind of, I wondered if you were to look at kind of maybe the wildlife round about you, maybe the wildlife you've seen when you've been traveling in Africa or like around, like I've been asking people to pick their favorite underappreciated African species, whether it be a plant, an animal, whatever it is, what's the, yeah. the species that gets not enough attention that you would love to shine the spotlight onto? Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, there's one. And I have a reason for, for that. Um, it's part of the ibis family. I don't know if you've heard of um, the ibis beds. It's a bed. Yes, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yes. But they're also very loud. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, um, they um, like, they're very close to where I live. I, I, I think I did a post a few um, months ago about them because every other morning I'm woken up by them. <laughs> and it's such a funny thing because they're mostly like found in the Southern African region. And I've heard mm -hmm. that some parts of East Africa have them too. Um, but they're there. Yeah. You mostly find them here. And we, with us here in the Southern African region, even if you go to South Africa in the big cities, they are there and they are loud. Ah, they have like a distinct <laughs> sound that is so crazy and annoying. So they have a nest close to my house. And I think um, they, just having them around has kind of built some form of um, curiosity for me. Sometimes they come into my yard and foraging for for stuff in my yard. I'm like, what do they eat? What they what, what like what is in my yard that they're finding um, <laughs> attractive or whatever? And seeing them up close has been quite um, an interesting experience because then they are larger than I actually thought they were. Uh, because I always just hear them and I'm like, oh my gosh, these birds are so annoying and they're so loud. They wake me up every morning, but I've grown to really appreciate them. And I feel like they are one bird species that are really underappreciated. They're not necessarily colorful. And mm -hmm. so you won't look at them and be like, oh, such a beautiful bird. Um, but I, I feel like there's some there's something very interesting about them and how they cry and that sound they make and how so many populations of them have kind of like moved into the inner cities, which is interesting for me. So you don't necessarily just go somewhere on the outskirts of town or the city to see them, but they are right here, like with us daily, which can also be easy to overlook them and what a marvel they are. But because then I've kind of like been, they've been annoying me like that. And then I've been paying attention to them and then which led to me doing a bit of research about them and all of that so it's yeah i think that's the the one species that i i would i would shine a spotlight on and i know that they're not necessarily endangered so yeah so they're not part of the endangered species here but they are sort of endemic to like the southern african region and some part then in 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 the um, in, in in east africa and mm -hmm. the other thing that i've learned is that then there are some other what will i call them um part of like they're part of the same family but they look a bit different they're still part of the ib spared so yeah for me that would be the one species that i would like to to highlight 
Mm-hmm. No, that's and it's the perfect answer because, like, yeah, it, it a species doesn't have to be endangered to be interesting and important and really quite like beautiful and fascinating. So I think that's a it's a perfect choice, and I think it's one that like listeners go and look up a picture if you don't know because they come in so many like colors and shapes and sizes and like they are just they're they're beautiful beautiful birds. Um, can be quite spooky. But they are quite, <laughs> they are beautiful birds. Um, yeah, I remember when I visited South Africa um, uh-huh. in 2017, I remember distinctly because like I was so amazed. I Like it was the first time I'd ever been to anywhere in that part of the world. And I remember the people I was visiting were like, so just like, like we were just leaving the airport and they were like, you, you can't start taking pictures of these types of birds now because we're not going to get anywhere otherwise because they're just like <laughs> they're, they're everywhere you'll see them like quite commonly but i was just so in awe of these birds i thought they were so like so it was so strange to see something that i guess like here in the uk if you saw one flying about you'd be so confused like so to see something that's so different to here is like it was just amazing and yeah a, a, a shared love i think we have um we've discovered um because they are they're just fantastic um yeah. and mm. that distinct sound like that distinct cry like it's, it's you can't you can't ignore it the mm. the ebis hadida so you can't you can't miss that wow it's like <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so, yes. mm. yeah and i think there was also a funny video um of of a celebrity, like I think it was Pharrell. I don't know if you saw that video that went viral where he was visiting South Africa for the first, I don't know if it was his first trip or whatever. And he was sleeping and then it was early in the morning and then he kept hearing the sound of like, oh, like what are those? And he was recording that. Everybody was like making fun of him saying, welcome, welcome to South Africa. Welcome to our world and what our alarm clock, how we wake up usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's definitely more interesting than a rooster or something that wakens people up. So that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, oh, that's, that's brilliant. I guess like uh, before we, like uh, before we spend an hour geeking out about Ibis, I, I feel like I need to, to move on to the next question, um, okay. which is of course, the question I ask everybody is, mm what advice what if someone's listened to this and they're are inspired by anything that you've said or anything you've talked about like what advice do you have for them to get more involved in conservation maybe especially if they're a musician who's interested in getting more involved like how how what would you say to them for some advice um i think the greatest advice to most people is just start like finding once you found something you're passionate about um especially in like the environmental space or in the conservation just start find people you can collaborate with to start doing the work that you would want to do mm-hmm. and yeah like identifying i think the first thing would be yes identifying that person that you have or how you would want to influence in that particular space and Mm -hmm. then starting because I think sometimes we overthink because I I myself am guilty of this I'm a perfectionist and I tend to want things to be perfect before I could even start making any progress and I've realized that once I start doing something and 
and and then um, some things start to move into place. They just start to move into place. Not that you shouldn't plan or anything, but I've just seen so much power in in starting and not overthinking the process and and thinking, oh, maybe I'm too small to make a big difference, or maybe oh, I can't really start with this. How do I connect music and nature or the environment or whatever? But you would be surprised at how how how, how much correlation there is in, in so many other things. So I think the best thing would be just to start, find your area, um, and 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 then find and identify how you can influence in that area, and just start. Don't overthink it. You'll see the stars will start to align. And I I think this something that my life and Jenny has taught me really is that so many things don't necessarily go as we thought but there's always this element of synchronicity and then when you meet the right person at the right time for something you were always wanting to do or you're passionate about and then things start to fall into place and yeah because if we overthink it then we might not start and then we might not start having the impact that we would want to have so regardless of who you are where you come from um how small or big you think you are, just do it and start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the perfect message. I feel like that's such an inspirational thing to kind of leave the the podcast on. I think that's fantastic, amazing, brilliant advice for for everybody. Um, and hopefully they're all feeling very inspired to go out and, and do some something um, new and exciting and different. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess like, before we go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of, if there was anything that you wanted, like a website to to say where people can keep up to date with your work or like social media, like where can people keep up to date with everything that, that you and your organization are doing? Okay, so it's called www.conservationmusic.org. Is, it's just like that, conservationmusic.org. I think when people like yeah, get onto it, they'll see um, the, the different types of projects that we're doing, even the different countries that we're trying to move into. And then um, they can find us on social media, um, on Instagram, uh, which is still conservation music, and then on Twitter, Music for Earth. So those are the platforms that we can be found on. And, and then, of course, on LinkedIn. But yeah, with, the, with, the, with things having been the way they have been, even on Facebook, we're conservation music. So with the way things have been in the past um two years um there hasn't been like a lot of activity so we're at a point where we're now building up to put up um a lot of like have action on our like online pages basically so yeah they all see that but that's where they can find us perfect perfect that's fantastic and yes i'll put links to all of that in the description of the episode so people who kind of like find it and kind of want to follow follow learn more like keep up to date with everything they'll be able to find everything down there um while they are down there of course i'm going to encourage them to check out our social media while you're going around them all anyway we are at pangolin podcast on all the ones that rex mentioned of course we're on uh, instagram twitter facebook linkedin all of those and you can follow me on there and on twitter and instagram at the only jack baker on instagram and at only jack baker on twitter um and yeah and you can subscribe to the podcast if you're if you've enjoyed this episode if you want to learn more if you want to hear all the other kind of incredible stories this season and all the previous seasons subscribe rate review do all that fun stuff and um, we'd really appreciate that as well um 
And on that note, all that really remains for me to say is kind of a huge thank you, of course, to the listeners for staying with us and hopefully enjoying this um, journey that we've been on. I feel like I've learned so much, so I feel like they will have as well. Um, so I, I hope you've all enjoyed it, listeners. And of course, thank you to you, Rick. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. It's been fascinating. It's been so amazing to finally hear so much more about everything that you do. Um and yes, thank you for telling me that you do uh, renewable work because then you've just justified coming back on the podcast at some point in the future to talk about that. <laughs> so thank you so much for all of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Jack, for this um, lovely work that you're doing. I'm, I'm happy you had me here. So great. Looking forward to more episodes. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and well, on that note, um, thank you once again, listeners. Thank you once again, Rex. And until next time... Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>